Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and his brother John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. Then Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will make three dwellings here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, suddenly a bright cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud a voice said, this is my son, the beloved, with him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell to the ground and were overcome by fear. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Get up and do not be afraid. And when they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus himself alone. So today we look at this transfiguration scene in the Gospel of Matthew. And in the story, Jesus takes Peter, James and John. Now, we don't know if he asked for volunteers, and they're the only ones who volunteered, or if he said, you three, come on, we're going up the mountain. But they go up the mountain, and when they get to the top, Jesus is transfigured. Jesus, as Linda was pointing out, takes on this entirely different look. He is like pure light. He is like drenched in energy and light from God. He is just this radiant being. And Peter, of course, seeing this, jumps up and says, hey, I want to build some tents because, well... Moses and Elijah have appeared. Now, Moses and Elijah really in this scene are representing the law and the prophets as if to say Jesus has authority over the law and the prophets. Jesus is the guy. And then <laughs> Peter is cut off by God. Now, did you notice this? I love this. While he was still talking, God comes through with a booming voice as if to say, shush, Peter. I mean, you could have a sermon just right here. While he was still talking, this voice comes and says, this is my son, the beloved, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him as if, shush, Peter, you're not listening to Jesus. It's this wonderful scene about listening to Jesus. And in fact, when we think about transfiguration, this idea of Jesus being transformed before their eyes, he isn't really transformed. What really happens 
is what's on the inside becomes visible on the outside. That who Jesus is within his spirit is the same Jesus that they have seen all along. Transfiguration is about what's inside being shown to all the world. Now, I think for you and for I, there are two really important things to think about in this transfiguration scene and to take with us through our week. And the first thing has to do with them being on the mountaintop. Now, listen, you and I, well, how often do Christians want to have those mountaintop experiences? How often is it that we really want to experience the presence of God in a powerful and dramatic kind of way? But here's the thing, and it's kind of perplexing. This is chapter 17 in Matthew. These disciples have already seen Jesus heal countless people. They have seen Jesus take uh, two loaves and five fish and feed 5,000 people with baskets left over. They have already seen Jesus come walking across the water. And still, it takes the mountaintop for them to realize who Jesus is. You know, the point here is that our spiritual journeys, our, our faith journeys, really it's about learning to see that God is present, learning to see that Jesus is present in the most ordinary moments. Jesus was the same Jesus when they walked up the mountain as the same Jesus who they walked down the mountain with. I wonder if you and I are aware of the presence of God in the most ordinary moments of our lives. When we're washing the dishes at night, do we open ourselves to listen to God? Or when we take the car in to get the oil changed and we're sitting in the waiting room, are we thinking about being open to hear from God? Or, or are we just are we just attuned to God in the churchy things or in the ordinary moments? I remember my first year of seminary in Dallas, and I was worshiping at this church north of where I lived. And one Sunday morning, I got in the car and was driving to that church, and it was like I, I felt this strong sense, as the only way I can describe it, that I needed to make a U-turn and I needed to go to Preston Hollow Church. Now, here's the thing. When I first got to Dallas, I visited churches and Preston Hollow was the last one on my list. I mean, they, they had a pastor who got up and told eight stories uh, over 25 minutes and sat down and I was like, what was that? It wasn't, you know, it was so disconnected and so it had nothing to do with the scriptures that I was like, no, I can't go back there. And here I am in the car and I have this sense, you've got to turn the car around. So I did. And when I walked in the church, it was a new pastor who'd been there two weeks, a month, and I basically, over the next two years, became the associate pastor. They're not paid, of course, as is, as is my typical way of pastoring in a church. But 
God used me in, in a way that wouldn't have happened if I did not have that openness to the Spirit and had made that U-turn and showed up at a place that I already knew I didn't want to be. That is how God works. In our most ordinary moments, are you available to God's presence? Are you available to hear what God is asking of you? And, and there are all kinds of small ways that God wants to use us each and every day. It, it's not about the mountaintop. The depths of our life in God is, is lived in the ordinary moments. But there's a second thing here. And you can see it so clearly in Peter. I mean, Peter does exactly what you would expect Peter to do. He jumps up and he's a, he's a man of action. He's a decisive guy. He's going to get something done before God cuts him off and scares him and he falls to his feet. But this is exactly who Peter is. We've seen this with Peter consistently in the Gospels. And, you know, Peter is the guy who gets out of the boat when he sees Jesus walking. I'm going to walk right to Jesus because I'm a take charge kind of guy. But here's the thing. Maybe Peter's impulsiveness and take charge attitude sometimes gets in the way. It gets in the way here because he's so busy running his mouth that God has to cut him off and say, shush, Peter. There is something about Peter that needs to be transformed by God. There's something within him that needs transformed, so what comes out is more of the pure light of God that can reach other people. And in fact, for Peter, you know this, it's going to take him denying Jesus three times before Peter comes to see who he really is and becomes transformed by the power of God from the inside out. Uh, you know, tradition even holds that Peter is martyred by Nero for his faith and witness to Jesus. And in fact, Peter refuses to be crucified in the manner of Jesus, which he doesn't think he deserves, and so he's crucified upside down. This is it. We have to come face to face with our own wounds, with our own shortcomings, with our own uh, dissatisfaction, with our own stuff so that God can transform us from the inside out and God's pure light and love can flow through us into the world. But coming face to face with who we are, that's hard. And that's what Lent is about. Uh, in the year 2010, a young Australian by the name of Jessica Watson set out to sail solo around the world, 16 years old. Now, I know I have a sailor in here, a couple sailors in here, but you kind of have to set aside what parent would let their 16-year-old daughter sail alone in a tiny little pink boat, uh, sailboat, around the world. But they did. And she set off from Sydney and sailed around the Capes 
and back to Sydney over 220 or so days by herself at sea in her little pink sailboat. She faced some terrifying, immense storms along the way that were thrashing the boat in her. But you know what? It wasn't the storms that rocked her to her core. It was the week or 10 days when there was absolutely no wind and no waves, and all she could do was sit in the middle of the ocean by herself going nowhere. And when she came face to face with herself and she could no longer, you know, run and do and move and be and she found herself in that point of admitting. You know, I, I always say I'm an adventurer and I'm strong and courageous and I'm a doer, but she said, you know what, I'm scared and I'm alone and I miss my family terribly, and I'm ready to quit. Once she admitted where she was at, it was like she found the strength to go on, to endure that journey in, in whatever came, but it was the most ordinary, unexceptional time that brought her face to face with herself. That, people of God, is who we are. We have to come face to face with those things within us that snag us, the things within us that are wounded, the things that are scared, the things that are difficult places within us. And once we give them to God and can be transformed by them, we then become the grace of God, this pure light in the world. It's not going to happen overnight. It's not going to happen in a week. It's a lifetime of opening our spirits to God that we might be transformed for the sake of the world. People of God, in this very day, God is offering us the possibility of transformation the possibility of healing and wholeness, the possibility of being bright, shining lights in the world filled with love and all that he has is that we would be open to listening to him. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen.